Welcome back, everyone, for episode 22 of the Zero Analytics Podcast, where we explore the karting world to hear the journey from top performers in all aspects of our sport. In today's episode, we visit the Southeast to dig into the tedious process of preparing racing surfaces for some of the biggest races in the sport. Daytona Dirt, Georgia Karting Complex, Patriot Speedway, and even the karting event held last year at the famed Dirt Track at Charlotte, just to name a few. The track can dictate many things of race day, both good and bad. A few months ago, we visited a gentleman, Tate Vermillion, who excels at preparing the same track throughout the year. Today, we look at the, at the approach from someone who travels to a bunch of different tracks containing very different soil structures and geographical hurdles to prepare the tracks on race day. As with past guests who are in the process of mastering their trade in the area of tires, motors, and chassis, it's refreshing to speak to someone on top of their game in any area of the sport. There's a ton of knowledge for racers and track owners in this conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as me. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my friend, Mr. Mackie Flood. And before we get started, just to remember, uh, help spread the word, subscribe, and share the podcast. Thank you so much. Today on the podcast, we have Mackie Flood, the track whisperer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where everybody gets that name from. I think my wife started that stuff when, when I'm out doing racetracks, but I have no clue where that comes from. I just do my thing. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> I've been called a lot worse, so you can see yourself lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, um, but that, that's in public. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's on the other side of the fence from where you are, probably. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, well, first of all, thank you for making the time. I know we've kind of gone back and forth for a while, and um, you know, one thing that comes up a lot is people ask me, "How come I don't do more podcasts?" And um, you know, life is busy. I mean, not not on just your sure. end, but like my end with kids and family and vacations and racing and, and stuff like that. So um, oh, so yeah. definitely ha- happy to have you on here and um. Just uh, some people listening. I mean, I kind of know who you are, but just give people a background on, um, you know, where you're from and kind of your involvement currently in um, in go-kart racing in general. Sure. Um, I grew up down in the low country of South Carolina and uh, been around racing most of my life. Um, we raced go-karts down at St. Matthews down back in the day. This was closed up now. It's, it's uh, I'm sorry, Horseshoe Cartway is where I grew up racing right outside of Monk's Corner. And um, from there... Uh, you know, I got out for a while. I moved down to Hilton Head and started racing with the race cars. Some um, with Troy Beard with uh, um, the All Pro, or I'm sorry, the Hooters Pro Cup Series with uh, Benny Gordon and uh, Clayton Rogers and those guys. So we went asphalt racing for a while. Before that, I worked a little bit at Somerville Speedway with a guy named Hot Rod Crosby um, back in the day as a kid in high school. So I've always been around racing, but I got out for a while, and one day my little boy came to me and said, Dad, I want to go go-kart racing. I said, oh, man, this isn't going to be fun. <laughs> so well, I, started, I started looking, and there was no tracks around uh, the Monk's Corner area, Monk's Corner, you know, Berkeley County area. So uh, I got in touch with Jimmy Lee Mitchell at uh, St. Matthew's and uh, Sunshine Cartway to see if, you know, when they were racing or, or you know, when they're going to open for racing. Well, uh, he said, Mackie, the place has been closed down for a few years, but uh, I, and, and I, he said, you know, I don't know of any other place open right now. I think uh, I-20 Cartway was running, and uh, that's a long way from, you know, Monk's Corner area to cross. And uh, so he said, Mac, I told him what I wanted to do to get my little boy, you know, some seat time on a go-kart and um, to see if, you know, if, if he liked it or not. And um, so he said, well, come and print a racetrack in St. Matthews and um, see what you can do with it and get it ready and, heck, get him a go-kart and just let him come ride a little bit. At the time, he was five years old or six years old. Well, went up there, my dad and I, and uh, when we got there, there was pine trees growing in the racetrack. <laughs> and I said, you know, I told dad, I said, he, well, he, dad looked at me and said, are you crazy? And I said, well, dad, I, I guess so. And uh, so we went out there, and uh, I told Dad, I said, I think I can get it back without doing a whole lot of work, just for something to place for Tanner to ride. Well, we come back with a tractor, and, and uh, a few weeks later, I told Jimmy Lee, I said, I'll get it ready for a place for him to ride. He said, I won't charge you nothing, you know, for, just to come over here and do that. 
I mean, because the infield was grown up. You couldn't see the, the backstretch at the racetrack. And uh, so we went down there and bush hogged and, and got the racetrack turned up and uh, laid back down with, with Jimmy Lee's help. You could tell that Jimmy Lee had been missing being able to work that racetrack. I learned so much from him during this time. But anyway, we got the racetrack ready and Tanner would, I'd, I'd let Tanner go out there without a helmet on or anything because he was by himself and I, I had it governed down so slow he wasn't going anywhere. And uh, so from there, it, with the Jimmy Lee says, Mac, won't you just lease the place to put on go-kart races? Well, that's where it started. Um, we did an open house and I took my grill down, my dad and I, and uh, we gave out free drinks and cooked hamburgers, had the radio station there from Columbia and did a come out and ride and meet everybody. And it went from there and, we raced every other weekend. We'd have 125 to 130 go-karts every weekend, or entries every weekend, every other weekend. And, and it went from there to the uh, Maxis Carolina Kart Series um, that we did locally. And then from the Carolina Kart Series, we went to the Mid-Atlantic Dirt Series, where we raced all over. And then we had a Mid-Atlantic North and a Mid-Atlantic South. And uh, so we went to traveling a bunch about every weekend, and it just got to where it was too much. And carding fell off and uh you know it just it got to be a lot it got to be a lot of um traveling and um so from there i got nieces and i'd work at nieces on the weekends for mr fogel that he wanted to have a race or we, i had a race there and um you know again there's another gentleman that taught me so much with with track prep and and what to do and what not to do so um that's about where and now now i'm just uh I do all the Maxis stuff as far as uh, track preps, and I do a lot of independent racing um, for tracks all over the southeast, of, even up to Virginia now. Um, I was up at Chris Beasley's at the beginning of the year in Virginia, and, uh, you know, I, I'll go to wherever it's feasible for somebody or feasible for myself to travel to go do a racetrack. You can't show up, you know, a day before a race and have a quality racetrack. So, logistically, you got to be in an area or i got to be able to have time to get off and come do it. Okay. Um, and just, I want to go back for just one second. You were talking about, uh, I think you said Clayton Rogers. Clay Rogers. I, yeah. yeah. Clay Rogers. Okay. So Clay Rogers, I remember, um, so him and, and I think Rodney Childers used to race back yep. in the day with, with Mark mode and, and stuff like that. Yep. I remember he used to, yeah. Yep. So, uh, and I actually, I think I may follow him on, um, on Facebook and stuff. I think it's like, yeah. Clayton uh, Rodney was Clayton's crew chief on the, the, the late model cars and some of the Hooters Pro Cup stuff back in the day. Okay. Okay. I, yep. I knew there was still a connection because I see on Twitter that they go back and forth. Um, obviously, like, you know, they've known each other for a while and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. But, that, um, that, re that relationship goes way back, way back. Yeah. And uh, like I said, growing up um, up here, I, I started racing at Piney Next Speedway, then to US 13 Car Club. But um, yeah. I remember back in the day in the Nationals, even like flipping through the WK magazines and stuff, but, you know, Clay and um, and both Rodney were both with the Mark Mode Motorsports and stuff back then. Yep. And uh, it, it was cool to kind of see them progress over the years as well. So that's pretty oh, cool. Oh, yeah. And, and Clayton's, yeah. Clayton, Clayton is also a, a, just a wealth of knowledge and he learned a lot from rodney so well, that's good yeah definitely definitely and um so how so let's go back to um when you first started we'll say the first time that you went to the track and you see there's there's pine trees there it's been <laughs> shut down for a little bit you have saplings growing up and all kinds of stuff how after a track's been sitting for a while like if you were to approach that now like what what are some of the things that you kind of like some of the first things to do to even start the process to get that back into race shape. Well, just to, to be honest, I, I had been in the, the, the dirt world, I guess, for a while, as far as my, my job at the time with St. T. Cooper, we did all the civil projects for St. T. Cooper. So I was used to working with dirt. So it wasn't the first time I looked at it. And, you know, I grew okay. up around a farm as a kid. So, but you know, the first thing you want to do is make sure, of course you got the trees out of the racetrack and all the debris, but mm -hmm. you want to turn your racetrack up, plow it up, find it to as, as fine as possible to where when you lay it back down, you lay it back down in layers. Um, what I always do is, is, is take the motor grader and, and cut four or five, I guess, swales all the way around the racetrack and you windrow it all the way over to one side. And when you're bringing it back, you do it a little bit at a time and pack it as you go. Because as you pack it as you go, it makes it one complete, you know, depth. If you went down six inches, 
you're packing it all six inches back and it makes it one level layer. You don't have multiple layers in there because if you were just to lay your racetrack back all over at one time, you got six inches of dirt there. There's no way possible to pack six inches of dirt with a car or unless you got a, you know, huge vibratory roller that you're going to sit there and roll for hours and hours and hours. So it's just difficult to put all that dirt back at one time. So to be able to have a compact racetrack, you have to do it in layers and it takes time to do it. Right. You know, and I've never thought about it like that, but um, I, I test soil for my, um, well, I used to, I'm actually an environmental inspector now, but sure. when, you know, the same way when we used to do, you know, depending on the soil itself, you know, depending on what it was that kind of de- determine on the, the depths of each, you know, like each lift that we placed in there for like utility yep. placement or something like that. And the yep. compaction, compaction and the moisture. Rate. Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of the same way. So you just yeah. do thinner lifts yeah. throughout. The, yeah. You think about, you think about a pothole that gets into a highway. Mm-hmm. The highway department comes in and patches that one little spot. What happens? It comes right back out. There's no base for it to attach to around it but, mm-hmm. or below it. So they have to go in and cut a whole section out. You, you get back to your good dirt and then you build your foundation. Any good foundation is going to stand as long as it's got a good foundation to stand on. If it doesn't, you're going to have problems. It's like with a house. If one side of your foundation is on hard, good ground, and the other side's in pluff mud, that side of your house is in pluff mud is going to sink. You got to have good mm-hmm. ground for it to be on. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, speaking of that, like I know when we used to do roadways and stuff, we'd have to proof roll it with a ten wheeler loaded with fifty seven yeah. stone, and you know, yeah. with a county and things like that. Sure. When we see. You know, from the outside, if I'm standing on the fence and, and every once in a while, like either going in a corner or coming out, every once in a while you get like the little dips where like um, not on your tracks, of course, but like other people's <laughs> tracks, you know, yeah. where the nose may dig in or something. Is that is that um, have anything to do with it or is that just the the leveling and the grading in, in general? I mean, it could well, be both, it, I guess. Well, yeah, it could be both. It's according to the if it was soft when y'all started mm-hmm. before, when it was practice started, you know, go kart. Y'all guys are going to ride in the same ruts all the time, especially in the bottom of the racetrack. Everybody's going to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So if it's a soft racetrack, your tires are going to start packing that soft area. You're going to have that lip come up. Your ruts is what mm-hmm. I, you know, is what it is. So right. that's when your nose starts dragging. Another mm-hmm. thing it could be is just that maybe it didn't get packed good enough through that layer, you know, mm-hmm. before they put it back down. So there's several different factors in there. Or when they had the racetrack pulled up, they got too much moisture in it, so it's sitting there pumping. Right. So, and that's what basically was happening at Daytona a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, well, speaking of Daytona, I was, I was going to end up getting there, but um, so let's just say like Daytona. Um, I know it's been the good and the bad, but let's just say um, like in general, not, not specific year wise, but sure. You obviously have to get there, get it ready beforehand. Um, do you generally show up? I mean, are you there the week before, two weeks before? Do you try to get there as close to the event as possible, you know, within reason with your work and everything? Well, logistically, with Daytona, I was unable to get down there but until just before the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, with technology, I was able to FaceTime and the, the guys from Daytona that were, you know, taking the racetrack up. Right. Well, unfortunately, what happened when they, they plowed the racetrack and put my chemicals inside the racetrack, all the rain came. Mm. Well... Instead of packing it in layers, like they were, you know, instructed to do, mm-hmm. um, they just rolled the racetrack back over. So it trapped all that moisture along with the chemical in the racetrack that's holding the moisture. So it just sat there and pumped all week. And plus, mm-hmm. it never had a chance to dry out. Right. Because as, as everybody knows, it was there. I mean, we'd have 30 minutes of sunshine and we'd look like we're going to have something. And then we'd have two hours of rain. So, and then with no sunlight... You know, there's no drying time. So, therefore, you know, you could go out there and, and patch your foot on top of the racetrack and it sits there and pumps water to the top. So, right. there's not much you can do with that sand at that, at that point. Mm-hmm. It never had a chance to get hard to have a quality racing surface. And, and speaking of chemicals, I know, uh, you know, I'm friends with Chris Harris. You know, I think that uh, you're friends with Chris Harris. I think you oh, guys yeah. have used some of the track tech products. Um, yeah. You know, that that is one thing. I mean, you brought it up now, and it's something I definitely wanted to get to. Um, as far as chemicals, um, and I think you may have even saw the comment on Facebook where a gentleman was asking, and, um, 
you know, just what are what are your thoughts on that? I know when I talked to Teddy Vermillion, um, he doesn't use chemicals, but yeah. I know that you do. And I, and I want everyone just to kind of hear a little bit of everything sure. and kind of be able to make their own choice. Um, well, when you find a process that works for you and you believe in something, you stick with it until it proves you're wrong. That's been my the every racetrack I go to, if it's Virginia, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, I attack it the same way every time. If it, it's the old saying, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So mm-hmm. I make sure that I do it the same way, whatever, wherever I'm at. So with the chemicals, you plow the racetrack up and TrackTac has a product called D-Dust. And it looks, it's a liquid that you pour in the water and you put it down with the water within the water truck. And you, you lay it down or you put it down in, in the dirt and you cover it back up in layers. Like I was telling you, make sure you, you get water into the racetrack along with the chemicals and you pack it down with layers. Mm-hmm. So that, that chemical actually bonds your dirt together like a glue but also holds the moisture as you're putting it down so when you start off with your new top layer of your racing surface you know below it you already have moisture so you're not trying to fill your cup up all at one time you're only filling half your cup up with water because you know when you start water from the top it soaks to the bottom well it's going to fill up so you already got water down in the bottom of your racetrack or inside your dirt and the chemicals helping hold it so therefore, it's not quite as much work for you to to get moisture down into your racetrack to be able to race on it all day long. So the, that chemical, so it's I guess in theory, it's similar to like um, like some of the haul roads for construction projects where they kind of yes. get the dust in something. Okay, so something yes. similar like that. Yes, okay. yes. And okay. then on top of my racetracks, they have a chemical that they call SP3, and it was a pretty unique idea how how this chemical came about. When I got nieces, Mr. Fogel and I were sitting there one day, and we could not figure out how to seal the top of the racetrack off and keep the moisture in the top of it with the calcium. Because, you know, most of the time, it's just so, your racetracks get so hard, it's hard to get the moisture inside of it. So, Mr. Fogel came up with the idea of lye soap, pure lye soap. Well, pure lye is made out of animal fat. So, we were hmm. buying lye soap from out of Georgia. And put it in the water and put it on the racetrack. Well, when you mix calcium with that lye soap, it makes like an oil sheen on top of the racetrack. So when it heats up, the calcium heats up with the lye, it melts the fat, and it seals the top of the racetrack off and holds the moisture. And it keeps that bond. That, and the calcium is drawing the moisture to the top from the internal in the racetrack. And that sheen on top is not allowing the water to come out, so it stays there all day long. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So absolutely. Randy, Randy Ransom from TrackTac called me one day and said, Mackie, what in the hell are you doing to be able to make that work? And I told him. So he came down, and he said, if I can make a chemical in the lab that reacts just like your lye soap, will you use it? And I said, I will try it. Well, he called me. Good, good answer, by the way. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I said, good answer. Never commit. Always try. Yeah, yeah. I said, I'll yeah, try. Absolutely. Yeah, hey, absolutely. At the time, I had something that was proven. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So, But it was more expensive. I mean, it was very expensive for all the bulk lye soap. But um, so Randy brought me the product. We tried it, and I've, I've never looked back. Um, every time I've ever gotten anything from him, it's been first-class stuff, and uh, it's worked every – well, what people don't realize that a chemical, even – you know, doing tires. It's not a, a fix-all. You have to work at it. and You have to do it the right way. If you're pri- applied properly, track tax works the same way every time. You have to mix it right within the water. You have to do what you're supposed to do to make it work. And I could get here and give you numbers, but each racetrack is going to be different with that because you've got different types of way you put the water down. Mm-hmm. So your, your, your number is going to be a little different. But you know, track tact is not a miracle worker. You're going to have to also put your time and effort into making this stuff work. You know, you're not going to be able to ever show up on a Friday, put track back in the water, and think you don't have to do anything else. I mean, right. it, it's, 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 it, it takes time, just like y'all guys take time in the, in the race shops with your tire program. So mm-hmm. a racetrack, you just got to work on it. So 
I'm going to put this in layman's terms for some people. So what? So really, the work during the week is the cake, and yes. then once we get to race day, or you, you know, is, is this something the sealer that you put on top is that applied on race day? Okay, SP three, SP three is a top coat, is what I call it. Okay, um, SP three is applied your last watering before calcium is applied. Okay. So what I do is water that night. And then when I get back the next morning at daylight, there's still enough moisture on top of that racetrack for your calcium to activate with. You okay. still got to have you still got to have some moisture on top of the racetrack. So a lot of times I would take a, a fire nozzle and go out and just mist the top of the racetrack to have the calcium something to activate to, and mm-hmm. then roll it in, and then you're ready to go racing. Cool. Well, I yeah. appreciate you uh, sharing that for me. I don't. Yeah. Uh, there's probably only a handful of people that uh, even have that information available to them. So I, I certainly do appreciate <laughs> no, I it. I, yeah, man, I don't mind helping or telling anybody. I, I, I get, I can't tell you how many phone calls I get on, on how I do that. And I don't mind telling anybody because if I can help those guys that take pride in their racetracks, you know, it helps karting in general. It gives a, a, a good racetrack for the racers to race on. So, you know, Mackie can't be at every racetrack in the country. So, therefore, if we get more people to take pride in doing their racetracks, it makes racing a whole a lot more funner. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I've said it before on here, too, that really the, the racetrack itself and the surface is really the one thing that di- can dictate the whole day and the event, you know. Yes. And um, and I'm sure, I mean, you've, you've been around it, you know, a long time mm-hmm. like me. I mean, we used to race for two hundred dollars or a hundred bucks or a trophy and now i mean they're racing for five grand ten grand and as much as everything costs and as much time it's Mm -hmm. um it's easy to get the blame um i know that you guys don't get enough credit sometimes but um you know and when you're so when the uh, just back to the chemical itself on the sp3 yeah is there a difference um you know going from the soil structure from like a daytona i'm assuming more of a sandier surface and porous to more of a, like a Patriot or Carnesville or, you know, something like that. Is there a difference in, um, yeah. in the amounts? Is that, you yeah. just kind of do that by, by trial and error, so to speak? Well, no, um, I have to do my homework beforehand. I try to find out what kind of soils at the locations I'm going to. Randy mm-hmm. and I got together for Daytona because as you know, limestone already has a certain amount of, of calcium in it already. Mm-hmm. So, we had to make adjustments on how much product I used because if not, it would stay too wet and it wouldn't activate, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, the absolutely. Calcium, the calcium is going to sit there and work within the limestone itself. So, you know, for a sandier racetrack, I'm going to use a little more top coat or SP3 because you're gonna, I want more on top to hold that sand down, if that makes sense also. Mm-hmm. I want it to bond or... I want it to slick over more. Most of the time when I do a racetrack, Matt Calnell will tell you, you know, uh, Jerry Mullis, all uh, the guys that are normal, that are used to racing on the types of racetracks that I prepare will tell you it takes longer for the track to come in when I prep a racetrack. But I want a, ra- I want a good racetrack to race on. I don't want a good racetrack to qualify, uh, practice on. Yeah. So by the time they get to qualifying, they got a good racetrack. By the time they got race day, they got a two groove racetrack where they can race and not have to kill each other to try to race. If that makes sense. No, no, that's a good point. And I, and you're right. It's, I've been to plenty of tracks. Um, you know, you get through qualifying, the thing is awesome. And then all of a sudden, once it starts to come apart, it's, yep. it just makes yeah. a long day for everyone. You know what I mean? And uh, you can't, like I said, you're battling to, to die, you yeah. know, gouge people to get down and not sure. stay up getting into the corner. And it just yep. it creates a whole nother issue. So, um, yeah, it and, makes the, race day easier and it goes faster and i've also found out when you have a quality racetrack to race on there's not near as many cautions absolutely it it, it makes everything just run so much smoother when you when when the the promoter or the track operator does their homework and gets it right when you so if you come the next day and you're going to apply the sp3 for the top coat if you know um, all things being equal if you know it's not going to be sunny that day would you still apply it, or would you just yes. apply less or more, or vary no, the? Rate I would put of it? less calcium, less calcium. Okay, so the 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 topical, I guess, the application of the SP three is generally going to be about the same. Same for for yes. that individual track. I mean, and that'll vary yes. from track to track. Okay. Yes, and again, I got to do my research on the type. And most of these racetracks I've been to before, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the country, so I right. know about what I'm dealing with before I get there, what type of dirt it is. 
mm-hmm. you know. So it's just it's it's harder for me to do it than versus some guy that that's a track owner that stays at his racetrack year round. They're going to be a perfect, you know, a lot better at their home track. Like Tate's done. Tate has done an excellent job down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can remember when he first started. You know, I went down there a few times with, with the Mid Atlantic Series and with the Maxis stuff. And, you know, Tate would ask me questions. And, um, you know, I don't mind helping somebody as long as they listen. And you can tell the ones who listen and take it as a passion to have a good racetrack. Um, mm-hmm. Scotty Hales was another one. I think he uses uh, SP3 to this day in D-Dust. You know, I got it started that's on that. Tri- so, that's tri County, right? Yep, uh-huh. Scotty, okay. So, you, you know, you, you can tell the racetracks – that, that, that care about their racetracks and use the product. Um, but also Tate doesn't use the product, but he has found his own glitch on how he makes that racetrack to his perfection. And it's working. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times the chemical doesn't work or you don't like the process for the chemical, but you have to find out what you what your racetrack fits best for. Right. No, it makes all the sense in the world. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the more you – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, the more you put into something, the the, the more you're going to get out of it. I mean, that's just that, that's the whole deal with with any type of racing that goes for track prep, also. Yeah, no, I mean, there's the more you talk, the more similarities there are between, you know, preparing a team or a cart or you know a tire as opposed to the track. I mean, it's it's just a process, you know. And um, yeah. every time you do it, you yeah, probably exactly. still are getting a little bit better, and yeah. you know, and then you're probably still learning. You know, what you think. Hey, I learn something new every time I blade the racetrack. You know, I learn if I don't roll the blade over as much, this is going to happen with this type of dirt. You know, if I, I roll it too much or if I run the blade straight up and down where it's cutting a lot of it, it's going to pull it apart. So, I mean, I learn something every time I blade a racetrack. A lot of times I get frustrated. You know, Heidi, she, bless her soul, thank goodness, she goes with me all over the place. And I'll have a racetrack ready to roll it in, and I'll have a spot that I don't like. And I'll start all over again. I'll plow it up and go again. And she sits right there and watches. I mean, just she just knows I'm a perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. And, right. Uh, she she supports it. <laughs> well, that's good. And, um, I can tell you that. I mean, we've probably both seen a lot of uh, relationships not go so well in the racing community. So it's good to yeah. hear about the ones that are good. You know. Oh it, yeah. It, it takes support on no matter what part you're involved in. Yeah. She's you know. As you well know, with with our wives, they'll stay at the racetrack till two or three or four o'clock in the morning and get right back up. And let's do it again. So, it, it uh, thank goodness for them. Definitely. And oh, I wanted to get to Charlotte. Um, <laughs> this was was this the first year for this race? Sure. On the on yeah. the the big track, and um, and you ended up doing that. How? How did you hear about that? How did that come about that you know of? And um, it was it was a pretty big deal, you know. I mean, it it was hard to see sometimes from the Facebook Live stuff because the track was so big and they were running on the bottom. But um, tell me a little bit about that, if you don't mind, just kind of how okay. that came about and um, and how you how you approached it. And is that one of the bigger tracks that you've ever done? I'm assuming as well. Oh yeah, definitely the biggest I've ever done. Only thing close to it would be Possum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, after we left Daytona last year. And it turned out well. Uh, evidently, Daytona contacted Charlotte along with the WKA and said, look, you know, we want to do a go-kart race there. Um, we're going to we'll suggest that Mackie Flood do the racetrack. And Mike from WKA called me and asked me if I'd be interested in doing it at that track since I just left Daytona. And I said, sure, because I can work it from start to finish, you know, without having, to, you know, logistically, I can get there in the afternoons after I get off work. And thank goodness for Boomer. Uh, how at, at CRC where I work that uh, he allowed me to, to get off in the afternoons and go to Charlotte and prepare the racetrack. And um, so with Charlotte, it was a learning curve there also. You know, I learned that we should have stayed up on the, on the uh, bottom side of the racetrack instead of trying to cut it in. And, um, but it was so big, it took me so long to blade to the go-kart standards and, and roll it over that, um, you know, I had to have some help. So Dennis Clem, who actually does the racetracks for uh, the World of Outlaws there normally, came down and helped me. And uh, without him, we couldn't have done, I couldn't have done it all because that place is just so big and it's so tedious. That dirt's a little bit different mm-hmm. that, um, you know, without him, I, I'd have never got it done. And plus, with the rainfall that came, thank goodness we had the racetrack packed and we're able to get back down on it 
and uh, get the show back on the road in, in, a, in a decent hour. And it was some of the best racing that I've, I've seen in years as far as drafting. And, uh, you know, I, I'm wanting to say I only saw one bad wreck was with Steven Adams. And, uh, you know, he took a ride that day. But everything else ran perfectly, and uh, it was respect on the racetrack because of the speeds and the, and the size of the racetrack. Right. Yeah, I think that'll grow a little bit. I know I think a lot of people were a little uh, hesitant maybe this year because of the first time, but um, I like it, you know. And uh, I, yes. I think I had like I think I may have had like a a dream of somehow that like there's going to be a three race big series with like Daytona, <laughs> Charlotte, and somewhere else. But um, it, like I said, it's it's cool to get on big tracks like that. I mean, for most of us, well, that's going to be the only time we get on a track like that, you know. Um, so it, it was pretty cool to see the guys. Yeah, we're going to be back there in April. Um, so I'll start track prep there a few weeks before. And um, Dennis and I, with his help, you know, we'll uh, we'll get it back to the, the hopefully the shape that it was in because it was it was an excellent shape. It had a few spots in it. But, man, after all that rain, I don't know if you remember, but we probably had two inches of rain that Saturday. And um, mm. it was amazing. I mean, we actually slid the tractors down onto the racetrack to the infield to be able to try to get onto the racing surface. I mean, <laughs> it was that bad. So uh, the go-karts would get off the racing surface and go up toward the wall. And I actually went out on the racetrack with a skid steer and had to put a go-kart in the bucket of the skid steer to get it off the racetrack. It was so bad. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, I think it was a little Landon Sartain. Uh, I, I went over there and I said, you know, all these years racing, I've never had to bring a skid steer and get a go-kart out of a bog hole. I mean, we couldn't move it. And I actually had to scoop it up and put it in the bucket. <laughs> That's funny. I'd like to see a picture of that. Uh, um, there's one floating around Facebook somewhere that somebody I'll probably send you one. I don't have it. Uh, well, if anyone has that, you can send it to me when you hear this. So, um, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's badass. So when you – do you try – so when you're going to these different places, do you try to have certain equipment that you always have there? Or do you just use the equipment that's available at the time? How do, how do you generally kind of uh, – what's your outlook as far as like equipment goes? Um, yeah. Just... Well, well, most tracks are going to have a motor grader, but I have mm -hmm. been to some where they just have a tractor with a box blade. And that makes it a little more difficult if I have to tear the racetrack up and plow it up. So um, it, it's hard to do it with a box blade and lay it back down, but it can be done, and I have done it before. But time-wise, it's, it's something I can't do, you know, in a two or three days. So uh, most racetracks, you know, you have to have a motor grader, you know, that's, that's pretty decent. And along with a packed car, and I'm good. Um, I can do everything else that I need to do. Um, a lot of racetracks have vibratory rollers now, which helps out a ton with the compaction rate you know, when you're going up mm -hmm. in different layers. So, I mean, and just, and just packing the racetrack, racing surface down. So, you know, as long as they got a motor grader or a piece of equipment that I can make a surface out of and a pack car and a water truck, of course, you know, I'm, that's all I need. Okay. Was it, um, uh, so when you said you work at CRC with Boomer, yeah. you work at Charger? Well, I don't work at the go-kart side. Okay. Yeah. Boomer has a fabrication and a tooling shop, um, CNC okay. machines. And um, I actually, in sales for him, I handle a, a lot of big accounts um, with that stuff, with the machining side. I have nothing to do with the go-karts itself. Oh, I got you. What kind of, uh, I mean, what kind of parts do you guys supply, if you don't mind me asking? Um, well, we make some front-end components for um, some trucking companies because of legal matters and, and stuff or disclosures we can't we can't discuss who we do it with but we make yeah. fronting components and that type stuff we do work for tire manufacturers automobile and and large trucks um you know for tooling you know that kind right. of stuff we it's it, it's a lot it's wow. it's uh it's pretty good that's cool. That's yeah. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I knew we had a little thing outside of. I say little thing. I mean, I guess the go kart stuff's probably the little thing. But um, no, yeah, that, that's go, cool. Uh, go karting is just fun. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, uh, well, that's cool, man. You know, and if, you know, if he hears this, and I, you know, I'd love to have him on here too. You know, I, oh, I'm yeah. hoping to get anybody that wants to come on here. You know, and uh, I just, I like, I grew up racing. I, you know, had my second kid, so I'm kind of taking a little break right now. But um, you know, I think a lot of yep. people that have been it have been in it for a while and. Um, you know, I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong about this. It just seems like 
there's more involvement and it's not going to take much for the sport. I mean, it's already, you know, it's big enough, but I think that, uh, it still has some room to grow, you know, and I, I think it'll take all of us to kind of get it to move in that right direction. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, you know, I'm going to try to help some tracks here locally, you know, in the upstate of South Carolina a little bit more, but I think it needs to go back to where, um, your Saturday night racing is, um, where it needs to be. Um, the growth and development of sports starts there. It cannot start with a race that's, you know, $10,000 to win for a junior one or a junior two or a junior three. There's right. no way that a dad and son can leave and be competitive. So what's going to happen are frustrations going to set in and they're just going to quit. So right. we have to go back and, and, and NASCAR sees it now, um, the grassroots racing. I mean, you have to go back and start a father and son at a local level and, you know, to go from there. Uh, because and give them a chance you know i've always said and and i've talked to several people i would go back and do another series if they would have a container sitting there or a tractor trailer you buy your tires there you know your one and done tires after you're done there you throw them away or you keep them and you buy new ones at the next race because Mm -hmm. a dad when he leaves the house is going to feel like he could be more competitive if he goes there gets his stuff and races you can't cut them you can prep all you want to at the racetrack but there's no need for cutting you show up by your tires and race and i think that's where we can get more people involved back into racing just my opinion i could be wrong i've been wrong before but i think that 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 would help when you leave your house that you think you have a chance to win i I've actually, I agree with you 100% actually. And um, Stephen Adams and I were talking about um, the Tri State Series this year with, um, no, I'm sorry, not Tri State, Tri County, the Mid State Series, where yeah. you, you buy the tires that day. And I, I think something that some people might not think of, I was talking to a dad earlier. You know, if you go, you race all day on those tires, they're only good for that day for your program, yeah. maybe. But yeah. you can also sell those as takeoffs to someone that is racing local that can probably get four, five, yeah. or six more races out of it. And I think that, um, and if you also look from my perspective, anyway, when you look at yeah. the guys that, that win those races, that all the races that you get the tires that day, it might be the same guys. I think there's a little more mixture, but I also think, I think that the difference between first and 20th is a lot closer because the tire yes. game, you know, you don't have tires that you're aging for three to six or seven yeah. weeks. And um, it, like you said, at least it creates the illusion that it is a fair, a fair game, yeah. and it's a, a lot fair. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I do, I like that. I hope that I really like when Maxi does the, um, you know, the Max Daddies and stuff. And I'm really yeah. kind of looking forward to see how Mid State does this year. I'm, I'm hoping well, that know, kind of uh, helps. Before, before um, we stopped with the Mid Atlantic Dirt Series, my semi pro division, we scanned in all the tires that you were going to use that day, but mm-hmm. we, we couldn't get a commitment to have a tractor trailer sitting there to buy tires, so. The easiest way for me to do it is say, okay, you can only check in two sets of tires today. And we scanned them in, and you had to use those tires all day long. But it still gave was a, an advantage for the big racers because they were able to, to think ahead and know what tires they wanted for that weekend. Now, if Mother right. Nature kicked in, you know, it was, it was a, a game changer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just think if you buy the tires at the racetrack and you can't sit there and cut because that takes away from, you know, people having the funds and equipment to be bringing a tire cutter or having a tire man at the racetrack. I mean, have that tire man sitting there thinking, okay, how am I going to make these tires good for this racetrack today? You know, get, get your money out of his brain. Yeah. Right. Right. Or let's go back to tuning on go-karts. Let's, let's heck back in the day, you know, I rode trick Olympics and uh, when Mark mode came out with adjustable front ends, heck man, we were always adjusting front ends, just trying to, to change up for different racetracks. We don't do that anymore. All you're doing is, is put a different tire on right. so and, and if i race right now i couldn't afford to have a 28 foot trailer with nothing but tires in it i'm just being honest <laughs> right no i'm with you i'm with you um yeah I, good luck man. I, 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 mean, I, I do i do think that yeah something i've been thinking about a lot lately is i think people's expectations are just a little off you know like if you're just getting into racing you know, you don't need to be running the the biggest yeah. races of the country. You know, when I, I think I raced for five or six years before I, my, my grandfather yeah. even let me run a state race, you know, and, yeah. and that's when you ran the state races. And then a yeah. couple people from there would go run, you know, the big nationals of four or five a year where yeah. now it's like you run, you start off running Friday night and Saturday you're running like a 
five thousand dollar to win rate, and it's and people yeah. want to know why they're not doing anything. You know, they they've never, yep. they you know, and it, it's a process. Just like you know, yeah. the tracks you do now are a lot different than you know how you did them back in the day. It's just a it's a learning process. Well, what happens is you know the racers now want a want a dirt asphalt racetrack. They want a okay. racetrack that reacts like or, or dirt racetrack that reacts like asphalt. And mm-hmm. if it's not that, it throws off their game. <laughs> I mean, it's just right. That's how. That's what they come to expect at these bigger races. Which, you know, if, if you, that's what you're paying for, that's what you need to get is a, a racetrack like that. Right. You know, when I grew up, heck, man, if you came home without your nose piece knocked off, you did good that day. Yeah. So you know, just having a rough racetrack. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 well, I've, I've been both ways. When I first started, we didn't even have bodies. But then once yeah. they got bodies, I know when the track first opened at the US 13 Car Club, the ruts were so bad, people were busting off bodies. And they were just leaving yeah. them hang, hanging on the fence as they were leaving. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, uh, so it, that's interesting. But um, nah, And you know what? You, did, you didn't complain. You had fun. That's when it was fun because you, know, <laughs> you, you didn't have that much invested now. It's just you got more than what most K and N cars have invested. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's definitely one of the bigger things I hear is, um, you know, I, I, no one has a solution. It's just, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of point out the issues, and I'm, I'm hoping if we have enough conversations on here, someone a lot smarter than uh, maybe us together will figure yeah. it out. You know, so um, yeah, I just but, think it needs to go back to Saturday night or, or, or more funding or or something that goes back to Saturday night racing to help build the sport. Right now, we're just top heavy. That's just my opinion. No, I I agree. It's the same thing I told someone today. There's there's seven or eight teams that literally dictate the whole, at least for the maxi stuff. You know, what I mean, it, basically, yeah. in the, you know, and um, and that's just it. It is what it is. You know. Well, um, so, I don't know if it's just the maxi stuff. When you go out west, I mean, whoever's good with Burris is, is on top all the time. I mean, I can look at race monitor. You can see it's the same way. It's your your top five or six. That's always, you know, running right there or up north. You know, you can see your, your guys that are running the Burris stuff up there. You know, whatever, whatever tire mm-hmm. compound or whatever they're on. Right, right. You, you're going to have the leader, the, the cream of the crop, rise to the top, whatever they're on. I mean, heck, you could send Jamie Kanoff up north, and he's going to figure out what he's got to do to win. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, just, that's, that's just what it is. No, nah, I'm with you. Whoever uh, Matt Connell could put something on a little scooter around my driveway, and I want whoever yeah. he's working on, you know. Yeah, so, um, yeah. and it's going to bite yeah. up, and your neck's going to fall off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so how? Let's see. When you um, actually, a question just popped in mind. If Uh-oh. the track's not good that weekend, how much shit does Boomer give you during the week? <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna tell you, I, I get the devil for everybody, not just him. <laughs> you know, because I'm... everybody knows I take pride in what I do, and right. uh, th- until I can, you know, I guess reprove myself the next <laughs> racetrack. I, I catch hell the whole time. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Oh, uh, no win situation, man. But, no, um, it's not. It's not. But it's fun. I keep going back because I'm a director for punishment. Oh, uh, that's good, man. At least you have a good attitude going into <laughs> it. So, uh, so this year's schedule, what um, what are some of the bigger races that I'd rather be just this year or in general? What are some yes. of the bigger races that really get you excited, uh, even just doing the track and stuff like that? I mean, there's just there are certain events that's just nice to be a part of, I'm sure. Yeah, um, um, we're doing the Fat Daddy here in a few weeks or next month. Um, the Fat Daddy, I started, oh God, seven years ago, I think. And, you know, when I got away from the series racing, I, I let John Philpot kind of um, use it. And I pay the purses still. And I buy the trophy. I just got off the phone a little while ago of texting Chan Shitwood. Um, start making the Fat Daddy trophy. Um, there's only a few people that have them. And uh, they're unique. Um and uh, I take pride in getting the racetrack ready for the fat daddies. Um, it's just, like I said, it's, it's a way that I give back to the go-carters. I guarantee the purse or the first place and the trophy. And it's however many show up is how John pays back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do that race every year. And I think I want to say it's February 20th or 15th, February 15th, I think. And then it's uh, scheduled to be at Patriot this year again. And okay. then, uh, Let's see, from there I go to Charlotte in April. Um, who did you say was making the um, who did you say was making the trophy for you for the fat daddy? Chan Chitwood, uh, Lance Chitwood's dad. They used to race go-kart with us a long time ago. And okay. uh, now Lance does uh, late mo- dirt late models. Okay. And uh, since Chan came up with 
I guess the design for the fat daddy, I've just, you know, kept going with him because you can't perfect something that's already perfected. Right. So, Not, I, and the only reason I ask is I know, um, I never, I hadn't heard his name, but I know, um, I want to say like Richard Timmons and there's another guy yeah. up here that did one for the G man race. And it's, yep. it's something I, I would like to do. Um, I think it would be cool to just have someone like maybe even just take a couple of pictures and follow them along as they kind of like, all right, what's it going to be? And then actually making it yeah. and stuff like that. Right. Well, you know, uh, Chan's company is Concept Graphics. You've probably heard of that. Concept, I have, yep. Okay. Yeah, he's okay. out of Georgia. Yeah, okay, I'll reach out to him. And, um, like yeah. I said, I, I want to, I mean, any, it doesn't matter if you do the track, you make the trophies or make the best uh, concession yeah. stand food. I'm really, I'm willing to talk to you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but from uh, Daytona, I mean, I'm from, from uh, Charlotte, mm-hmm. um, let's see, I go, hey, my wife does this better than I do. She knows where I got to be. Um, sure. Let's see, April, May. I know we got, uh, well, again, the big O this year. I'll be doing that in August. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's so many that come along that, that right. I do that it's just, well, um, you know, this year with nieces being, you know, sh- shut down, um, I think she's carrying all three of the Max Daddy races to a Triple T, where Terry Terry will do his racetrack there. Okay. So I'm, I'm not going to be doing those this year. But you know, I just got through with Carnesville um, not too long mm-hmm. ago for the Thanksgiving right. Thunder, and that place just turned out amazing. I was I was very pleased with the that, the way that turned out. But um, okay. you know, it, it comes along. I'll have things come about and uh, do racetracks all over. I'll get a phone mm-hmm. call. Hey, can you be here? And I'll show up. i hear you Uh, out of um all the tracks that you've been to uh, you've you've been pretty much the most of them any uh this is one of my oddball questions but do you have any uh favorite track food you know places i I never have time to eat um (laughs) i never i can't say that i've ever went and stood in line of concession stand um Unless it's like race day and I got a lull in there, but I'm going to say, huh, they had some onion rings down at Jasper. And I'm wanting to say that I had probably two or three batches of onion rings down there. (laughs) But that's the only thing that stands out. Like I said, because I never get a chance to eat (laughs) or either go grab me something and and shove it in my face in the packed car or the motor grader. Yeah, you don't even taste it. You just inhale it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It kind of helps my figure when I have to go do a racetrack because I don't eat as much. But I will drink a beer. Uh, Hey, there you go. What's your beer of choice out of curiosity? Oh, Bud Bud Light. Bud Light. Yeah, got to drink a Bud Light. I hear you. Yeah, actually, Heidi called me a little while ago, and she said that she's getting meatballs and all ready for the Clemson LSU game tonight. I'm a Clemson fan, so maybe we can get another title this year. I got you. I saw some photos of – Maybe it's your, it's your son and you, or a couple, a couple of random photos of uh, some Clemson Tigers and stuff like that. Oh so. yeah, that was probably Tanner and I at, uh, with Dabo at a Clemson basketball game. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm stalking you on Facebook. Right oh now, yeah, so, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's what it is. So that's that's cool, man. So how long, how far away do you guys live from Clemson? About an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, okay, I've always been a Clemson fan. My dad played baseball at Clemson, and. Um, so a lot of summers were or springs were fall was spent up there uh, with baseball, mm-hmm. and then as, as I got older, um, you know, we, we stopped going. But yeah, Dad played third base at base in uh, Clemson. Oh, cool. Yep. Uh, if you uh, if there's someone sitting here, if someone's listening to this, uh, what's one thing that you wish when you started doing the tracks? What's one thing you wish someone told you that uh, that you could tell yourself again if you had to start all over? Well, you know, luckily I had two great men that when I started with the racetracks that helped me out a ton. Jimmy Lee Mitchell at at St. Matthews and uh, Steve Fogle at Nieces. You know, they were they took me underneath their wing and taught me everything they knew. Now, I had to go out there and finesse and I knew that about how to, you know, do a racetrack. I ran equipment on my whole life and um, I knew what needed to be done. But they gave me the insight and the pointers on how to do it, when to do it, what to do, and, you know, just the finesse stuff when it came to racing. So my big thing is to tell somebody, take pride in what you do and just learn as you go and listen. Um, you know, you said earlier, Tate said that something, you know, you listen to me and watch me. I mean, that's what you got to do. Um, you got to pay attention to what somebody else is doing. If you stand there long enough and watch somebody wipe a tire, 
you're going to figure out what they're doing and what makes something work. And uh, that's what just take pride in what you're doing and um, you'll fulfill your goals. I agree, man. It's uh, yeah. It holds true in most times. Yeah. So, uh, oh, see, we're getting close to an hour, so I don't want to hold you up too much. Um, I know you got probably lots of nervous walking around to do before the game tonight. So, uh, uh, hey, <laughs> no sweat off my back, man. I'm, I'm watching right. a bunch of kids play football, so that's uh, all. There you go. <laughs> Plus, eating good, eating good meatballs and drinking some Bud Light, man. That's, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, you've. Uh, just a couple more things before we finish sure. up here. And uh, just kind of like your thoughts on, I mean, you've been around karting for a while. You've been involved in, you know, all kinds of different aspects. Where, let's say like in the next five to ten years, like how do you see go-karting going? Like do you see people kind of, like you said, kind of really trying to get back more towards the local involvement? And you know, really the more we have local, the bigger, all the bigger races are going to be too, you know? Um, exactly. Um, if you remember, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. when, when the, the money racing started, I mean, mm-hmm. there was nothing for me to have eight, 900 entries on a, a day's event. And Troy the same way. But it took away from your local racing. It got the guys at the, at the racetrack competing with the best in the country every weekend. And it, it hurt the local racing. So I think if we don't revert back to that, I mean, your big races now are 300 entries, 350. Mm-hmm. And you know, for the money that's being paid out now, the promoter can't do it. They can't, right. they can't, can, you know, sustain doing that week in and week out. And the Carter can't do it either because, you know, they, they don't have the funding to do it every weekend. So therefore we got to get back to, to local racing, have a good race, Saturday night racing program. Let's, let's build a foundation again and start over racing. And that, that's my opinion. I mean, we've got to start local. We've got to start, bringing the young kids back in man i can remember i'd have 30 to 40 kids junior one junior two and junior three now you're lucky to have 11 and and out of those 11 every one of them's got a tire man and every one of them's got a chassis given to them i mean most of them i shouldn't say every one of them Mm -hmm. but and that's the problem i mean it's just it's gotten our elite guys have i guess been you know been related to nascar you know it's the elite Five or six is going to win every week, eight to ten, until you get to a Talladega and you're going to have that, that dark, dark horse win. Right. So, I mean, but I just think we need to focus on, in the next five years, getting back to local racing to support your local racetracks. If not, we're going to lose it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think um, that's kind of what I'm, you know, like I, I'm hoping this helps kind of, uh, I think when people get into karting, once they realize it's not the little yard cart that, you used to have when you're little it's like um people just get so overwhelmed with yep. not any tire in specific but just tire prep uh, mounting tires scaling out um, just all that stuff so i'm kind of hoping yeah. you know i grew up um going down to robinson speed shop back in the day when i was younger and, and listening to those guys talk and and i'm just i'm hoping that kind of us having conversations and things like that i want people to be able to hear and realize that you know there's a lot to it but it's we can break it down and, and incrementally learn parts hey, of it and get better. You know, my, my deal is, and I've always said this, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the easiest way to do it. If you keep it simple, that way any stupid can learn it. I mean, yeah. that's the way you got to do it. You know, yeah. it's sad. You know, when I first started talking with Bob Dillner um, from speed 51, when uh, he was coming to, to do the live feed for the big O, mm-hmm. you know, he was amazed when I saw him, when, when I showed him, you know, the videos from, you know, these modifiers running around Patriot Speedway, when he got there and saw the size of the racetrack, he was amazed because he said, Mackie, I've seen it from 85, but I've never came over here and actually walked on it. So uh, he was amazed at all the motorsports that Bob's ever been around from, from NASCAR down to, you know, four-cylinder dirt cars. You know, mm-hmm. the go-karting impressed him. He said, there's no way that these things go this fast around this racetrack and are able to turn these corners. And so he was he was actually am- amazed on what we can do with a go-kart. So that's when you're really stepping out there and and you have to show everybody this is not Frankie's fun park, this is actual racing. Right. So, right. And that's what not, that's perception. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, there's, you know, my my younger brother, he's uh, seven or eight years younger than me, but he races and, uh, and there's actually a guy that, you know, has a modified and stuff. And yeah. he um, it just people even as they move up or move out, like they like the idea of uh, being part of like a go kart team and even coming back to it or at least getting a little team started for when their kids old enough to get into it. And um, so, I mean, I definitely think, like you said, if we get back to just increasing the people that are in it, and I'm hoping that kind of this helps break down the, the entry barrier and mm-hmm. people don't get so intimidated and actually see kind of what it is. And, um, you know, so. Yeah, I was I, this weekend, actually, I was talking to Scott Bloomquist and uh, he was saying the new rules that they have for the world of outlaw cars is that, you know, with the pull downs where they're drooping and um, they're taking the drooping away where you can only droop so much. And I asked him why. And he said, well, it's because they're trying to let the older cars also be competitive with the new cars. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's not letting their cars roll over as much and get the left rear so high off the ground. So they're putting a limit on it. And he says they're actually trying to hold us back from all the engineering to keep it most cost effective. And you know what? They're going in the right direction. They're doing the right things to keep people racing. So they're not letting these big the big teams take over and be have engineers with them on race day, you know, with the computers and um, seeing how much they could get off the left rear to make the car turn better. So he and I sat there and talked for three hours about, you know, just the engineering stuff and, uh, you know, just in general with racing in general, because he goes for surgery Thursday. So he had a lot of downtime. So he was just, just sitting there talking. Do you think that's harder to do in go-karting because you know, yes. without the WKA, yes. like you don't really have like that presence, almost like yeah. a dictator that's kind of yes. does kind of help regulate that stuff. Right now, it's almost like a free yeah. for all oh, because free range. Yeah. You know? you know? And I mean, you know, it, it's it went from running series to running events, yep. you know, and um, well, one weekend I could have this set of rules. The next weekend, yeah. the next promoter can have a set of rules. The next weekend, you know, Terry's got a set of rules at Triple T. But then the next weekend is a change because it's going to be at Paradise. And, you know, that's yes. the problem. There's no. There's no there's there's no governing body. There's no sanctioning to say, okay, here's the rules from this track to this track, and if you're going to race at this track, you got to follow these rules. So that's what I was talking about earlier with the racing local level, because mm-hmm. there's five racetracks within 45 minutes to an hour from me. All of them's got different rules for different engine packages and different different classes. Right. Hey, right. if you don't if you're not in the know, you're not going to have a clue what to show up there with. Or if you want to go the next weekend to the next racetrack that's open, you can't because your motor's not allowed. And that's that's what's killing it. You know, it's just – and that's what I was saying. And you said it earlier. you got the top five or six, seven, eight that's dictating what's going on in racing. Mm-hmm. So – or whoever's the, the promoter on top that weekend. Right, right. You know? Yeah, and I – you know, and I, when I say that too, it's – I don't even necessarily know that they're intentionally doing it. I just think it's a by product of of yeah. the current state that we're in you know i don't think anyone's out there like all right i'm just gonna screw no. i'm gonna kill the sport you know it's just no. um, you know it's, it's, whatever like, feed, it's whatever's good for that weekend yeah i mean you're playing within the rules and uh you know i brought up a couple of things even like the the semi-pro rules you know like i see guys that are <laughs> you know that are and i don't mean this as an insult to them like they're that they should be in the pro class like they're winning yes. enough money they're renting out rides yep. they're doing tires yep. um it's like, man, it's how can someone go away and run semi-pro when really semi-pro is amateur now, you know, it's kind of, it's a weird little thing. <laughs> well, I don't, now looking back, I don't think, and, and I helped the demise of it, you know, by running semi-pro, you know, I don't think there should be a semi-pro. I think it should be an amateur and a, and a heavy, medium and light. Um, if you run amateur, you can't run anything else. Right. If you, and if you're going to run, you're going to run at medium, heavy and light. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way. That's the way it started. You need to go back to it. There's no such thing as a pro class because that's a perception. So as soon as everybody gets to the racetrack, they automatically look. We're not running pro because we're not running with the pros. It's all. Right. It's all perception. You know, mm-hmm. just like just like juniors. I'm not gonna call. How do you? How do you? If I ever done. If I ever. If I ever do it again, I'm not gonna call a junior one class a pro. There's no way a junior one's a pro. Right. I mean, it's just. It's all perception on, on, on how things are, are, are written and said, and it's gotten out of hand. Right. It's almost like, um, yeah, you, you know, someone can say, yeah, I went and ran pro one, you know, pro junior sportsman. It's like yeah. we finished seventh out of eight. You know, it's yes. not that impressive. It's like, yes. 
you know, you know uh, it, it, that's just the way it's gotten though. I mean, it, it shouldn't. And that's when you got 25 classes, you got a, a pro this, a pro that a unlimited this. I mean, it's just, it's gotten out of hand, heavy, medium and light. And then your junior one, junior two, junior three, and you could do a warm up and, or, or, or you do your junior one, junior two and three light and heavy. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, the, you got to go back to it. Yeah, and uh, and these kids will never know the struggles that I face of running uh, junior sports in one. There was only one class when I started, and yep. it was eight, eight through twelve, and there was yep. no light or heavy. I mean, it didn't matter. Yep. Uh, you were just getting into it, and uh, so it was kind of crazy. But um, no, I agree. I think that the structure, and um, you know, for whatever reason, like as it's gotten a little out of hand, I think that also kind of like puts a, a block up for us to be able to put it on TV and people to understand. Yep. You know, um, yeah, it, it's hard to like, oh, this guy's this, 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 this motor, and this. It's like, man, it's just too much. Where if you only had three or four or five classes, I think it would be a better product to be able to at least. Not that you have to have it on mainstream TV, but if you had an internet yeah. channel or something, you know, just yeah. something to get interest where people could understand it. I mean, there's a reason that um, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune have been on forever. It's pretty damn easy yeah. to get a hold of. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty simple. And I think that we need to make it maybe just a little simpler. Um, Are you going to sit in front of a TV for 12 hours a day watching a race? Oh, man, I, I hated being there when I was there for the most part. Sometimes exactly. it's just like... And, and that's, like I said, Bob Dillner with Speed 51, he and I discussed it. He said, Mac, you know, we can only put one or two classes on there because that, that eats up our hour. Right, you right. Know, um, when they did the Big O, Phil Combs and Shane Huffman, you know, were commentating with him. And um, they did an excellent job. But there was a lot more racing that weekend that was excellent also that, that never made it to TV. Right. You know, cause there's not time for it. Right. So were they, um, are they planning on coming back again this year? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think we've even made it that far yet to negotiate okay. Bob and those again with speed 51. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was nice to see that on there. You know I mean? I think yeah. every little thing we chip away and, um, you know, like the other day, I think there was a little, uh, say fake news running around the internet. Oh, yeah. Tony, Tony Stewart buying a, uh, you know, Phantom oh. racing chassis. And, and I yeah. put a little post that, obviously it wasn't true but all it takes is one person like that to really spark yep. the interest and um yeah so hopefully just you know enough people kind of pulling in the right direction and hopefully that spark is uh you know it's, i think it's a lot easier for you guys you're you're more in the in the racing you know the heartland so to speak but um yeah you know i mean who knows like someone could listen to this uh you could see someone at a gas station who knows i mean it just you just never know you know exactly yeah um, exactly so well mac yeah. Um, uh, we're getting to the kind of getting to a close here. Um, uh, you know, just for me personally, I really do appreciate you taking the time and I yes, hope you know, people listen to this and take some notes and uh, the, the information you gave on, uh, you know, the track tack, the SP three and just how you a- approached it was, you know, I, I really enjoy talking to people that know what they're talking about and, you know, <laughs> just hope- listening to you. I mean, we're just going to pretend that you do, but yeah, it sounded <laughs> no, good, right? <laughs> no, it, it does, man. But, um, you know, I'm, I think, you know how hard it is to get good information on tires? I mean, it's got to be that yeah. much harder to get information on how to prepare a track and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, so you know, so I appreciate well, it, you taking the time to share all that with if us. If you don't mind, I'll give out my phone number, my cell number, just in case if anybody ever needs anything, any questions about a racetrack. You know, if I can't answer you right then, just leave me a message and, you know, I'll get back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, give me that. And then, you know, we'll, I'll tag you on Facebook and, um, sure. but yeah, let people know where they can find you. And that way, um, I'm sure people will reach out to you. Yeah. On Facebook, you know, it's under Mackie flood and, right. uh, and, or my phone number is eight, four, three, two, two, four, six, four, seven, eight. Or with the chemical side of you reach uh, Chris Harris, there at track tech, you know, during the week time, but mm-hmm. as far as the track prep stuff, you know, he doesn't re- know really much how I do it, but, um, if you got any questions, feel free to call me. I don't mind helping or, or telling anybody how to how to fix a racetrack or or how i do it you know it may not work how I, I do it at their racetrack they can perfect off of what i can while i can help them with right and just like with tires you know like when i'm cutting tires and when i'm doing them for people like i like hey i try to get them moving in the right direction i mean they're gonna have to figure out the last 30 or 40 yes. percent you know but um yes. you uh, got to give them the foundation and when you give them the foundation they can work off that right yep um I don't know. I think that brings us to a close, man. Um, <laughs> again, I really appreciate it. Um, I, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll pull for you. I don't really care who wins tonight, so I'll pull ah, for Clemson. As long uh, as the Tiger so, wins, right? 
Hey, there you go. <laughs> They're both tigers, so it makes yeah. it out, it makes it good. But yeah, you know, I, mean, I want to apologize to you because when you first reached out to me, I had the Max's Nationals going on, and then straight from Max's Nationals to uh, Carnesville, from Carnesville to Daytona, so or doing Daytona stuff. So sorry it took so long for me to get back with you, and we're able to do this. Hey, hey, not a problem, man. I've uh, I've reached out to a lot of people that that want to be on here, and like we talked earlier with um, you know, with racing, with kids, with life, um. I'm not in a hurry to do it. I don't have any sponsors. I'm not trying to make uh, you know any money on this. So for me, it's um, no one's going to complain to me because no one's paying for anything. So I'm I'm fine <laughs> with it. You know that's the, that's the best part about it. That's why I told my wife I was like I could have had a couple sponsors, but I would rather just this is my uh, fun. Yeah, this is kind of fun. You know, maybe one day we'll get to it. But I, if I ever take sponsors, it'll be to put back in the go kart. You know, I I have well, a good job. I do what I do for a living, and I, I don't need the money necessarily. I mean, not that I don't need, yes. it, but um i'm i'm more interested i have an eight-year-old son and i have a two-year-old son one of them's gonna race i'm sure so well, i would like stops, their... when, when you start making it a job it stops being fun absolutely absolutely yep. uh, so so again man i appreciate it uh good luck to clemson i think you're gonna have a, a battle tonight with uh yeah, we are. With lsu but hey man yep. anything can happen right that's why it's college football so yep that's right cool. brother cool man well thank you so much and um uh we'll keep in touch all right Yes, sir. If you need anything else, just give me a call. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you were uh, taking notes. As always, with any of the guests, if you see them at the track or on social media, reach out to ask follow-up questions or show your appreciation. Uh, Time is a commodity. None of us are getting back. So for anyone to take time and put themselves out there for the community to hear, I feel it's ultimately something that's going to help our sport grow. So um, like I said, reach out tell them thank you and until next time enjoy be safe go fast turn left gas on the right break on the left i would say no bumping but i'd be lying